Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Sakit Kumar is the Chief Executive of VIT. VIT is a business that helps software companies raise immediate and upfront growth capital without debt or dilution. Quite interesting, if you've got a software business, uh, often you're building customer base, but as revenues are coming in monthly, you don't have that much to invest in future growth. And uh, VIT solves that problem. And it's a really fascinating entrepreneurial story that Saket brings today. He explains what his backstory was and why that drives him to make other startups successful. What's his mission uh, that led him to build this business? And we also, I also asked him, well, what was the one thing you actually focused on? Because there's so much to do when you're building a new business. And he explained the one thing that he really nailed that made growing and scaling so much easier. And we also get into his geeky culture. Um, the fact that he's really expressed who he is in the culture and the team and how that's actually reinforced the cohesion of the business. A real reminder that we don't have to do things a certain way to create an amazing culture. This is a great little episode. Uh, enjoy this with Saket Kumar. Hi, Saket, and welcome to the show. Hey, Richard. Pleasure, pleasure to be on. Hey, it's going to be fun talking today. Uh, you're the founder and the chief executive of VIT, um, which looks like it's doing really interesting things in the world of a startup and software as a service and, and financing that. So before we dive into the mission that you're on and, and why is that important to you, tell me a bit about the business. What, what's, what's VIT all about? So VIT's about offering fast, non-dilutive, founder-friendly cash for growing SaaS businesses, whether startups or scale-ups, essentially giving them the opportunity to access non-dilutive financing at a click of a few buttons. Um, so like the reason we're kind of working on this is I was a, I was a VC for, for a few years and, and kind of just saw how painful fundraising is to be to be perfect perfectly honest right it's a multi-week process there's a lot of ambiguity there's it's it's rather opaque um from the perspective of a founder mm. um and we just thought you know there, there must be a faster and cleaner way to do this and yeah so we set about building building bit okay so someone is building a, a startup um, a, a software company they need cash and rather than going through the vc route or trying to raise financing in different ways what would they do instead? What do you what what do you suggest they do instead? So they can come to to the website um, and they can kind of essentially start an application, which is essentially you know you connect your kind of bank account information, your accounting information, your subscription management information. You might hold in your Stripe or a Charge or something like that. And then our underwriting model kind of turns around and answer within twenty four hours. So tomorrow, like if you did it today, tomorrow you would know if we can finance you or not, and you'd know how much we could give you and you'd know what price point. Great. So yes, this is basically, you're basically, borrow, basically borrowing money, if I understand it right, based on the cash flow in the business you've already got from paying subscribers. Is that kind of the... Yeah, exactly. Got it. Great. Well, it sounds a great model. 
So tell me, let's go back in time. Why did you, you when did you start this business and, and what was the catalyst and, and, and why, why were you, why were you in, right? Why did you decide to make this happen? Cool. So like um, my co-founder Greg and I kind of, you know, started this, I'd say late 2020. Um, and, and kind of the reason for kind of both of us is that like me as kind of a next kind of VC, it just felt that the way st- startups were raising capital could definitely be, a, could be done better. Um, I think venture is is a great product. Um, we, we're venture backed ourselves, right? But it felt like it was increasingly being, you know, forced into use cases that weren't necessarily that helpful, right? So, you know, if you're pouring money into sales or marketing, does it really make sense that you give up 20, 25% of your business or give up a board seat um, for a, for an activity, which essentially you can put an ROI on, right? Mm. Um, so I felt kind of financing itself wasn't, was like, yeah, venture financing wasn't being used for its kind of appropriate, I guess, use cases, right? Which is like mm. essentially R&D, product market fit finding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then also kind of, you know, my co-founder kind of Greg, who had been like a software engineer his whole life and recently just founded a venture-backed startup, or, you know, also found, you know, the process to be like, um, like unnecessarily human-centric. You know, like, you know, people like meetings back and forth, take multiple weeks. Um, and like between us, we were kind of just, you know, spitballing ideas and realized, hey, we can actually just essentially, you know, build this on a, on a web app. Um, and so people can kind of, you know, just, you know, you open up their Chrome and then, you know, by the next day, you know, ideally have kind of cash in their bank account. Yeah, it's fair. And so, so that comes out of your experience as a VC as well as seeing this opportunity and perhaps seeing things in a new way. Um, now you've been doing it okay it's still obviously a pretty young business in many ways I guess uh, you started in 2020 you know just a couple of years in what's um, what's been the most exciting thing that you've seen in the business um, so I, mean, I think the most exciting thing is like you know that first well what one the first kind of customer close was obviously like a it was a it was an awesome it was an awesome moment I remember when the customer closed like we us and the team like went for dinner and I thought it'd be like exuberant and jubilant. And we were just kind of really like quiet there while this like food was coming through. We just sat around this table at this kind of overpriced food, just kind of like overawed that, you know, someone had like, you know, trusted us that much. So that is still like the number one moment that always comes to my, to my mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. Um, I think the second moment that's a very close second is when, you know, our, you know, our first sets of customers, they essentially decided, you know, to work with us again. So they mm. either got their second kind of financing with us or, you know, or third financing with us. And that just really felt like, okay, we're, we're doing something valuable, right? Because otherwise they would have left or they would have gone mm. somewhere else. or they, you know, you know, may, might've decided to start finance is just not for them full stop. And instead, you know, we're getting, you know, nearly 40% of our customers to kind of come back and, and use us again um yeah that was an awesome feeling but that first one really i just remember it like i also remember it like a movie right like like that dim yellow light i sat around this like like table and just like all kind of just like i cannot believe that's that that happened today yeah, yeah was, that was an awesome moment yeah that's that's great so so what gets you out of bed like in the mornings um uh in to build this business um obviously that you know i'm sure you want it to be financially successful and it's always a driver right for any entrepreneur wants you know wants a decent payback on on their time and effort and everything else but like take the finances out of it for a second you know what is it about this business that excites you or that's meaningful to you so i think the kind of you know there's there's two pieces i'll talk about like our customers and i'll talk about our, our team right so with our with our customers everyone is doing 
incredibly impactful things with their business, right? Whether, you know, we have customers in the, the reg tech space, the PR space, right? The cybersecurity space, the marketing space, like all, all up and down essentially the sectors of the economy and essentially building products that enable them to do their best work is like really impactful and kind of, you know, if, if you draw a through line to with being a VC, that's kind of what you're doing as a, as a VC, right? You're essentially kind of looking for like driven people, right? With an incredible kind of teleology and you're looking to support them. And we're doing something very similar here. Um, and I think that really like is awesome, right? When you see like, yeah, you know, customers, you know, go on to, to build incredible things. You can see that, you know, they've used the money you've, you've lent them to grow their business 2X or whatever else. That's like remarkably rewarding. Yeah. Um, and then when you like, with the with respect to the team, um, it's just a real joy to kind of work with with with, with the guys, right? Like um, everyone is, you know, deeply, deeply bought in to, to what we're doing, right? So it will be, you know, it will be me being pinged on Slack by by colleagues whether it's like you know whether it's someone who's joined us as an intern or you know or my co-founder be like, where are we with this kind of customer needs this needs to, have we done this a b c or d um and just seeing everyone who like yeah cares so deeply it's like uh that's always rewarding yeah you were saying earlier on that you know you you, you say you feel you've created quite an interesting team mm-hmm. culture tell me about that uh yeah i mean i think we have like just quite a quite a geeky team to be to be honest, right? So, you know, like for example, uh, yesterday over over lunch, um, we were just kind of sat around, essentially doing like um, doing like riddles, right? So there's like this classic one of, you know, you're like there's a hundred people in a row that each wearing like a red or blue hat, and you don't know what color your hat is. Um, it's like a hundred prisoners essentially, and like what's the maximum number of people who can guess their own hat color, right? Um, and you can see everyone's hat in front of you. Um, and so the, the the answer is that you can save 99 lives plus epsilon, um, but uh, epsilon like yeah, the probability of that person whose color who's who can't see his own hat. Um, but yeah, just stuff like that. It's just fun. Like it's just like quite a yeah. It was it was like a really bizarre thing because like it's um so you can either be red or blue, right? Uh, so it's like theoretically you can argue that's 50 50 percent chance that you can guess your own hat. So with the strategy, you can save 99 in front of you. And that the person who has their first guess doesn't know. So it's like, it's either 99.5 or it's somewhere less than or more than that. And then me and my colleague were arguing about whether it's actually 0.5 or not. Right. Like, it's just like, uh, just going off on one. And he's like, uh, he's an Oxford physicist, right. And we just have like heated, but I'm not mathematical at all. Just having a heated debate about like a century probability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like, it's just like kind of, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of absurd, I think, on on some some degree. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like uh, yeah, but it was really enjoyable. Like, well, I know where to send my 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 geeky son now to uh, come and <laughs> internship with you because he's uh, he would probably be able to uh, yeah play with that game as probably could I if I'm if I'm being sensible. Yeah, I I get you. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because every company will reflect the leaders create culture, and so. Actually, it's great to go. This is the culture we want to create, and actually, we want to be geeky and thinking about math problems and whatever. It's you know why not? Like it creates a thing, and I think sometimes companies lose some of that particular flavor as they get bigger. Um, but that's not always a good thing. I think it can be good, great to have that specific idea. One of the previous interviewees uh, on the podcast talked about how when he set up his company, he was very very intentional about giving all his team, even on the first day when there were just three of them in the garage, giving them high fives every time he entered the room, you know, whatever, every time he 
sold them for the day. He would give them a high five. They were like, what's this guy doing? You know, it's just like, we haven't done anything yet. Uh, and yet that was his way of saying, I want to set this up as a culture of a bit more fun, a bit more high energy, or I want to energize my people. And that's kind of giving my trademark. And so it's interesting how we create that. Um, how does it work with your co-founder? I mean, you mentioned your co-founder a few times. Um, do you, what binds you together, right? So, you know, in terms of the business. So, you know, is it that you have a shared financial goal that you're trying to achieve together? Is there some kind of outcome you want to get to in terms of what the business looks like or the customers you want to serve? Or, you know, how do you kind of align between the two of you? So I think there's a, a, a few things. I think the kind of big thing that kind of probably drives both, both of us is that we really want to have like a very lasting impact on, on startups, right? Um, a lasting positive impact. Because like for me, right, like I didn't delve that much into my background kind of before the fact, right? But, you know, for me, like, you know, before, um, you know, before I got into startups, I was, I was kind of aimless, to be honest, right? Um, had graduated from a, a, a fancy university, right? But didn't really know what I was doing. My friends were, you know, consultancies or law firms or whatever. And I was kind of like aimless. And then the moment I stepped into my first startup, I was just like, you know, on the second day, I was like, this is this is it for me, right? Like, I really enjoyed this culture. I enjoy what we're doing here. And, you know, it's not like that startup was successful, right? We actually didn't find PMF. We didn't really make it. And I still, like, loved that experience and still talk to many of my old colleagues. Um, so the idea of, like, building a company that is enabling many more people to have that kind of experience, mm. admittedly through capital, right, but still enabling them to go, to go do that is something that's pretty close to my heart. Mm. Um, and then for Greg, you know, I mean, he's been working for, you know, early stage companies since he was like, you know, 19, 20, right? Mm. Um, so for him, it's also very, very kind of similar. So I think that's like a big thing that kind of draws us to together. Um, I think another thing that helps um, is obviously building a company is stressful, right? There's, you know, there's disagreements, right? There's high impact decisions where you might not be super aligned. I think two things that really help us as well is that we have a lot of respect for each other, uh, coupled with kind of self-awareness. I remember we had this one disagreement. I can't remember what the explicit disagreement was. We had like some some disagreement about um, something strategic and it wasn't getting anywhere. And it was like like late at night, 10, 11 p.m., right? We were just arguing essentially, right? Going around in circles. And I can't remember which one of us said it. And we were just like, this is getting nowhere. Why don't we just sleep on it and just like approach it again with just like, like a good breakfast and like being a little bit more mm. chipper about it. And like suddenly it was like resolved, you know? Um, so I think that always helps us from like, you know, if we're having disagreements about the facts of the case and not, you know, because we might be tired or stressed out or whatever, we're good to like kind of eject out of that and kind of just, you know, finding a way to kind of moving on. And I think the second thing that really helps is that we have a shared sense of humor. So in terms of kind of what binds us together, it's actually what I've found is, and kind of we look for it in highs as well, is like when things are miserable, are you able to have a laugh? Because at the end of the day, like if you're not able to have a laugh, you're just like, going to make it more miserable um by being overly stressed out or the sort of guy or girl who's like you know screaming shouting at the desk is like you know not really that helpful for everyone um yeah so i think that's also the thing that we always have that when things are looking really kind of dour we're able to laugh about it and simultaneously mm. right and when things are going really well we can yeah. also cynically be like oh this bubble's about to burst and like you know point out why it might burst and kind of move, move on so i think that helps as well and um and what kind of things do drain you you know what kind of slows you down in the business so I think in general, the kind of big thing that drains me, well, there's two things. I think one is a high level when I'm, you know, not totally sure that what I'm working on is the most important thing. 
Um, because that you know that just slows me down. I was like, oh, this is the most important, not important thing. Am I like, should I be even working on this and that? You know, just really slows me down and kind of the pace of, of my personal, um, my personal work. Um, and I think the kind of second thing is, you know, given in the the space that we work in, right? You know, you know, when we really have to, you know, do something kind of, you know, with respect to kind of regulation, you know, that's just like, oh, you know, we have to go f- read through this kind of handbook of the FCA. Um, so mm. that for sure is just like uh, can be a little bit of a of of a drain. Uh, important, but that can definitely be a bit of like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's open yeah. up this PDF and, and put the headphones in. Um, but it's more the the first thing that really uh, that can really slow me down. It's Richard here with just a quick interlude. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, I have a free resource that you won't want to miss. I've put together a short email course called Exponential Leadership Principles. In it, I set out how you can use the same strategies as some of the world's top leaders to get out of incremental progress and achieve breakthrough results. Be prepared to have your current thinking challenged and to learn some very new ways of leading. If you're interested in following along, simply sign up at xquadrant.com slash go slash exponential. And now back to the conversation. Yeah, no, that's, um, well, I see that a lot. Uh, we talked about this before and uh, I've got my new book out, uh, but I guess at least by the time this probably is issued, the book will be out. And um, it's around that, it's around making time for strategy because um, until we can step back and figure out what is the most important thing, we're really not sure whether we're operating at 10% of our capacity or 100%, even if we're working flat out. And um, um, yeah, I see it all the time. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, it's even more pronounced because you have so much flexibility about what you could put your focus and attention on. It's almost like, you know, it's an infinite amount of choice. Um, yeah, and, and so I, I see that. Um, how have you, I know you guys still got a relatively small team. So, um, but I'm, I'm curious to know, how do you mobilize people around your vision? You know, you said everybody was super bought in uh, and super engaged. Why is that? Why is it that you feel everybody has really got behind it in such a way? So, I mean, I think there's a, there's like a few pieces. I think one, at the offset, we have a very rigorous interview process. So it's like almost like a self-selection kind of criteria, right? Um, so we hire a lot for, like, I mean, smart is a big one, right? Um, kind of, as you can, as you can kind of figure out from the earlier, uh, the, the early ways we spend our lunches. Um, but also people who are like really, really relentless. Um, so, you know, like everyone in the team had a story of, you know, that they were, you know, absolutely kind of ferocious in achieving, achieving a goal. Right. And that's like the one thing that really binds everyone. Right. So we have, um, you know, you know, we have an intern on the team. Right. Um, he, has, he hasn't even finished university. I have another member of my team who spent like 17 years at Goldman. And the one thing I can say about the two of them and everyone else on the team, but I just use them because they're the most disparate examples that really binds them is that they're like really relentless and are super clear on the interview. And, you know, we wouldn't have ever given them offers if they didn't have a personality trait. And so those two things kind of, you know, tie into kind of what, what you about, you know, just being really bought into what we're doing here is that, you know, people are always, always hungry to make the customer experience better. Because I think they see a way where, you know, they just have that kind of, you know, to use a cliche, but like the kind of like 
ownership mentality, right? So whether you're in sales, right? People are aggressive about making sure that turnarounds are faster on emails, that customers are having the best experience or following up diligently, you know, that no customer ever feels that they don't know what's happening. Um, Whether it's like an engineer being like, okay, this part of the integration, you know, takes 15 seconds and it should take two seconds, right? Um, Everyone just has that, you know, that that mentality around, you know, the different parts of the product. Um, I think that kind of really, really helps in that. Because I feel very comfortable in the people that we've hired because we typically at minimum spend five hours with them, if not more. Um, and we diligently ref check everyone um, that I feel very comfortable handing things off. And I think that also really helps, I guess, to kind of summarize, like we filter very well the interview process and that lets kind of me hand things off with, you know, having maybe high level context, but not feeling that I need to micromanage. And then it's easy to be brought into the to the mission, right? Because it's not some abstract thing that I'm talking about. It's like I'm I might be talking the abstract kind of you know um, you know high level abstract thoughts, but then members of the team concretely own like very big parts of it, and so yeah. then it becomes quite easy because they're not you know they also have the thing that they're driving. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So yeah, so it really also it really starts with making sure that you're really thorough about the interview process, which is interesting because not every company does that when they start. Often they're like, we just need to find some people. But it sounds that you've really focused on that. Um, and therefore, it's like the one decision that makes it all easier, right? If you get really good at hiring, all the other stuff downstream becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I think and what I would say to that is if I look back on like my career, and it's not like uh, a long, illustrious career, right? Um, hopefully that will change. But it's just, you know, just I mean, if I look back on my career, like if I look back to the things that I really enjoyed when I did the best work, it was really the people that made made the difference mm. um and you know if you find a segment with product market fit and, and all that good stuff right then the outcomes can be wildly divergent right like you know if you're starting a, a search engine you know and you in, in the in the 90s or whatever right then it's going to be it's going to be huge right or, or, or potentially could be huge um but the day-to-day like do you enjoy your work are you do you feel that you're you know you're being productive and getting mm. the most out of your days for me that's always been a reflection of you know when I was an employee, not so much how the company was doing, although it's nice to be at a company that's winning versus a company that's losing, but like the people that were that were around me. Um, and I've been, you know, and I think that was something that I really kind of brought brought forward. And I would honestly, um, I would rather do an extra, you know, X amount of hours a week um, and kind of, you know, cover the the loss of someone not being there mm-hmm. than work with someone who I just don't enjoy working with because that's just, that's miserable. Yeah. And yeah. when and the thing is, when you're the CEO, you can't blame anyone, right? Because like you didn't have to hire them, uh, so like um, yeah, I, I, I kind of took that on hard, and that's why we're very kind of cautious about who who we hire. Mm. Nice. So uh, second, let's move into a, a little quick fire question round. Um, it's been an interesting conversation. I'm, I'm always curious as to what forms and founds leaders. You know what what's going on inside. So what's the favorite quote that's kind of shaped who you are? Or something that you bore your team with by saying on a repetitive basis? Is there some kind of quote that comes to mind? So a, a tactical one is everything is a funnel. Uh, it's on the day-to-day, right? So sales, hiring, vendor management, everything is, is a funnel. Um, so I think, you know, you can always solve a lot of your kind of operational problems with that. Uh, but a more interesting one is this idea, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's this quote by a mathematician who says, you know, optimization is the enemy of evolution. Right. And kind of what I, what he means by that is, you know, if you're always focusing on getting four or five percent better, then you're, you're not taking a step back and evolving and maybe becoming, you know, 10,000 percent better. Um, so I think balancing those two, th- those two things. So one is, I guess, more a high level strategic kind of perspective. And the other is like a day to day, which I find very useful in making sure that operationally things are, are humming smoothly. 
Yeah, nice, nice one. How about a book? Is there a book that's influenced you as a leader? You know, how you are, who you are, how your vision is shaped? Um, so, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a, there's a few, I think one that sticks top of mind, I think it's been recently biased because I reread it recently is a book called How Music Works by David Bryan. Um, I think he was in a band called the Talking Heads of Memory Serves. Um, and what I found really interesting there is he talks about the evolution of music in different areas, right? Like, so music is a space where I think many people associate it with genius, right? Like, you know, Mozart is a genius or the Rolling Stones are mm. geniuses or the Beatles or whatever else. And what he says is really interesting because he talks about, you know, the evolution of like African music and contextualize it with like New York punk music and whatever else. He's like, well, the reason, you know, the riffs and the melodies evolved in a certain way in, in New York in the, in the in, you know, the, the, the 50s, 60s, et cetera, is because of the dingy nature of the rooms and they would often have fur on the walls. So they absorbed sound in a certain way. So you had to play in a certain way for it to sound good. And then, you know, certain parts of Africa where there's flatlands, you, you know, that's why you have a great like a drum tradition because that sort of sound carries very well for mm. like long expanses and that always like kind of sticks in my mind about like you know giving people the context to like thrive and be a be a genius um and maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic but the idea of like you know context being everything even if something is like ephemeral is kind of this idea of musical genius is something that's really stuck with me yeah context yeah context is so powerful um somebody i was speaking to yesterday the other day said that you know strategy is easy it's the context for strategy that's hard um which in other words, what's going on in our own brain, what's going on in how we see the world, um, that's, you know, that, that's a context for how we think. It just came to mind, you talked about context you know, in, in other areas. I think often, yeah, defining the context, understanding the context is, um, and creating a context is, is really powerful. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Take more risks. Um, yeah, I, I think I was relatively... I had a relatively good appetite for risk as a young person, at least in the professional context. Um, but just expand that out. Uh, because what Why is that I, important, do you think? How would that have helped you? I think it would have developed me more as a, as a person. Um, and like what, I, what I mean by that is like just doing more things, like, you know, things that I may never have been exposed to, I found has like evolved me as a person, right? Like, so, you know, I kind of went to Berlin. I lived there five years. I'm now back in London, but went like there five years on a whim and living in a foreign country in a country where I didn't speak the language. I had no friends in Berlin when I first moved there. Mm. Like really like evolved me as a person. Mm. Um, when I go back to university, I, you know, produced a, a student play i had like zero theatrical experience i went to like a, a state school which i'm not even sure we ever put on a play right um and so that was something where it's you know really helped me develop and feel like i've broadened as a person and i didn't appreciate the time but i could have been doing that like 10x more right whether it's like you know traveling more whether it's like diving into activities i've never done before um so yeah i think that would be the, the uh, big one yeah nice Saket, many of our best guests on the show come from referrals. So I'm always curious as to who inspires you uh, as a leader. You know, is there, is there a chief exec or an entrepreneur who, you know, who you know, who's inspired you on your journey? Uh, you know, who'd be a great guest perhaps for one, one of these shows? Um, who comes to mind? So I worked with this guy called Dan Kashab, um, who's the founder of a company called Choco, which is a unicorn based out in Berlin. I worked with him at his prior startup called Vanaday. Um, where he was one of the co-founders and Valaday wasn't as successful, right? Um, and I, I, I worked with him and it was one of the best, yeah, one of, 
at the time I didn't appreciate it, but one of the luckiest things I've ever like professionally could have happened to me. So I just got to work with this guy day in, day out and see how, how he operated. And to your kind of second question about like what I admire about him is that he really makes time for you as a person, right? Um, right. Like he did that when I worked with him, but more importantly, right? When, you know, I hadn't worked with him for a few years, his company was like skyrocketing, right? All the fancy funds were investing, the valuation was going bananas. And when I said I wanted to build something, you know, within two days, right? Like, I think we had coffee and he would chat me through it. Um, when I said we were going to go hire people for the first time and I'd never hired people before, right? He calls me Saturday morning. I hear frying in the background. I'm like, what's up? He's like, oh, I'm, build- I'm cooking brunch for-, for my girlfriend, but let's let, okay, this is how we should do it. And then just ran me through his matrix, how he thinks about hiring, which also influenced why we're so particular about hiring because it was one of right. his kind of learnings. And it's just like, always makes me feel feel that like i'm the most important person that he's talking to and i just know that's not true right like i know he's got like a, he has his own employees now his own direct reports right he has his board members and investors and like a million other people and probably everyone's knocking on his door for his for his time and you know back in vanity or whether now now he's like a successful kind of you know unicorn founder he's always made me feel that like he has time for me and he will always have time for me and i really hope that in in 10 15 years when there's like a a vet alumni network that all the people feel even 50% as good as I feel when I, when I chapter down. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, examples. Just so clear and, and, and why you, yeah. How it makes you feel right. It's, it's, it's really important. Um, second, how, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always next level to get to. So where does VIT go from here as a business? What's next for you guys? I mean, our, our kind of obsession is always kind of, you know, giving the best kind of products to kind of startups and scale-ups. And one thing we've seen over the coming, you know, over the past few months with macro uncertainty, interest rates rising, is that there's a lot of startups who have cash in their current account and they don't know what to do with it, right? They don't have to optimize it. You know, rates essentially were at zero between like 2009 and 2022. So no one's really even got a strategy. Um, And so we're building a product, you know, that will enable startups to have access to, you know, great yields that are secure. Um, so, you know, their cash is, you know, losing 10% uh, on inflation, essentially. Right. Um, so that's the next problem we want to go solve alongside our core kind of, uh, you know, uh, financing product. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And, and what about you personally? What, uh, this is the Impact Multiplier podcast. I'm always thinking, what's going to break, create a breakthrough in your own leadership? You know, what's going to, what might you need to do differently if you want to multiply your own impact? I think it's like, you know, the first thing is kind of what I said earlier about, you know, making, you know, decisions faster and faster and faster. Mm. Um, but obviously, at a certain point, you asymptote there. So making decisions faster and faster and faster. And secondly, getting a better perspective on like where I actually need to be making decisions. Uh, I think I'm still like, you know, almost like a stereotypical founder in that regard, where there's definitely stuff where I check it and I, or I want to take a look where maybe I can just be a bit more hands-off. Uh, so I think those two things in parallel, right? So making more decisions, but also understanding of those more decisions, which are the decisions I should actually be focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's almost, sometimes it's like asking better questions, right? It's like finding new questions to answer instead of the ones that are immediately in front of you sometimes. But thank you. That's really honest. Yeah. And I think it's the journey of, of anyone in a growing company is uh, how do I keep letting go of what I have been doing, which I feel comfortable with to find these other areas, which I'm not yet t- attending to, which is a challenge for us all. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed this uh, a second. If people want to find out more about you or about Vit, how do they do that? So they can come to the website, um, vit.sh, so B-I-T-T dot S-H. 
Um, if you're wondering why .sh, it's a, it's a joke about shell script. It's very geeky, which kind of sums up the, the sums up the team. Um, so yeah, vit.sh, vit um, and or you can email me sake at vit.sh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always very available. Perfect. Well, I'll put those in the show notes. And uh, hey, it's been a fun conversation. Thanks again for taking the time. I look forward to seeing um, how Vit continues as you continue to add on uh, more and more high growth software companies who, you know, who want quick access to financing. So looking forward to uh, watching the journey. Awesome. Thank you for, for the time, Richard. Have a lovely afternoon. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.